Good morning. Good morning. That was pitiful, people. Come on. Good morning. Man, I'm so excited to be here with you guys this morning and so excited to jump into this word. But before we do that, I think uh, if you all look in the chair when you come in, there should have been a card. Uh, you see that? Maybe just hold that up if you see that. If you haven't crumpled it up, blew your nose on it, it's still there. Um, it would not be comfortable to blow your nose on, by the way. So don't do that. Um, man, those cards um, are talking about next Sunday. And we're going to celebrate Easter here together. Yeah, thank you. Um, man, three people are excited about Easter. Next week is going to be on fire. You better come twice. Um, man, um, but I just want you to know that card is not there for you. Um, we kind of expect you to be here, right? Uh, that card is there so you can hand that to somebody this week and invite them into what Jesus is doing. Uh, we got a lot going on this week. Uh, this week's going to be like a busy week, so um, just kind of strap in. But um, I'm so excited about what God's going to do. Got Good Friday coming on Friday. Um, it's not Thursday. Don't come on Thursday. It won't be there. It's in the name Good Friday. So this Friday, uh, we'll be celebrating the, uh, the, the cross together, and we're going to do that at World's Fair Park, which I know is kind of a hall maybe, but um, you are not going to want to miss it. Um, God is going to do some amazing things, and I believe that. And uh, I'm, I'm so in seed into that um, because what we don't want to do is just pray God does something and then don't do anything towards that, right? That's not actually belief at all, is it? That's God, you do all the work, and if, if you do, we'll take all the credit. That's that kind of prayer. Um, but what we want to do is we want, we want to pray, but then we want to sow seed into that, and then we want to see what God does with that. It's like praying for rain without taking the umbrella to just pray and and say, God, do a big thing, right? That's not faith. That's not faith at all. The faith is faith that works. Faith is faith that's in action. It's, it's, it's something we do. So this week, I'm just going to ask that you, you sow seed into that, that you, A, make plans to come, and then you pray all week. God, you do something that we just cannot even wrap our minds around right now. But then more than that, that you invite people into that. If you believe God is going to save people, why do you know lost people and you aren't inviting them? Well, what was the point in that, right? If you believe God is going to show up and he's going to do an amazing thing in our city, why wouldn't you want to be there? So I'm just saying, like, you sow seed into that this week. You pray that God does things, but then don't only pray but work. And you invite people. And you see what God's willing to do if we would just engage with him on his mission. Don't count on the songs to get people there. Read an article this week, the church quit inviting people years ago because we expect our lights and our band to get people to church. Can I just say, like, everybody has lights, right? Electricity is not like a new thing. Everybody has lights, and lights are not going to get people here, right? And everybody has a radio, and they have a TV. There's entertainment everywhere. The music is not going to get people here. It's something beyond that. And a lot of times all it is is just you saying, hey, I want you to come here with me. The reason people aren't sitting here with us this morning is because most of us didn't ask anybody, right? And I know some of us, you ask people every week, and you ask people every week, well, what'd you quit for, right? You believe God is a big God. Do you believe God is working? Well, then you work with him, and you see what God's willing to do. So this, we just want to pray for what God's going to do this week for um, strength, because it's going to be a long week, and we want to pray that God just does an amazing thing in the middle of our city, but then we want to prepare for the rest of this week. And then I'm just, I'm just daring you to do that and show up and see what God does. 
So let's pray. Maybe you could just stretch out your hands, not towards me because I'm just a man, but um, just towards heaven maybe. Father God, this morning we thank you for what you're going to do. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that, um, Jesus, you're, you're a big God, and you do big things. That, God, you're not um, waiting on us to beg you with the right words or the right things to show up. You're waiting on us to engage with the belief that God will show up and to engage our friends and our families to believe that God will save people if we can get people to hear the gospel. The gospel saves people. It's, it's what it does. It's the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done. And God, you're still the God who saves, and you're still the God who calls, and you're still the God who wants to do amazing things. And God, this morning, I just believe that you still would do those things if we would do what you've left us here to do. Uh, before you left this planet, you said over and over and over and over again, go make disciples, go work, go engage, go talk to, go invite, go tell the gospel story, go be involved in my mission. And then we see in Acts 2, the first time the church ever does that, 3,000 people come to know you in, in just a few hours. And God, here we are sitting around wondering why maybe one time a year or two times a year we see somebody come to know you. It's because we are not engaged with your gospel at work. The most evangelism some of us do is we have kids and bring them to church. And God, this morning you've invited us in to see a world change through the name of Jesus and to be part of it. So God, before we go to the world, we're going to believe you for our city. We're heading into um, Good Friday. And Jesus, we're going to do a thing in, in the middle of the city. We're going to sing some songs and there's going to be a message. And we know, Jesus, that there is no power in any of that stuff. But there is a ton of power in the name of Jesus. So we're just asking God, knowing that you want to work and that your word says in Ephesians 4, you're able to do abundantly more than we could ever ask or think or imagine. That God, we want to see big things. We want to be involved in big things. And Jesus, you are just the kind of guy that likes to do big things. So God, this morning we lean in in faith and hope and trust that Jesus, you're going to do the thing and we just get to show up and be part of it. God, go ahead of us to our friends and our families and our coworkers and our classmates and make a way this week that there'll be a longing in them for something and Jesus that we'll invite and then they'll find the something in you. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Man, I believe God for that. And I'm going to do something about it this week. Um, this morning, we're going to be in Luke 23, and we're going to continue this series, Road to Redemption, we've been talking about for the past couple weeks. I've really been excited about this series, and mostly because it didn't happen anything like I planned for it to happen, right? That's the amazing part. Thank you. Um, you guys are so interactive today. Um, I feel like I'm at a museum. Um, 
But honestly, it didn't come out anything like I planned for it to come out. When I was preparing for the series, what I thought was I was going to kind of go through the last 24 hours of Jesus' life, and we were just going to hit the highlights, and at the end of that, we were going to get to Good Friday, and we're going to talk about the cross, and then we're going to skip a day, and then we're going to do Easter, and we're going to talk about the resurrection, and then just kind of off to the next thing. As I sat down to study for this series, I began to read like every story of the last 24 hours of Jesus's life that you can find in the Bible, which there's like four books of that, if you don't know, and um, nothing. I was like, this has got to be it. Nope. This has got to be it. Nope. This has got to be it. Nope. And I would read it and God would just shut me down. That's not what we're going to talk about. And as we were doing that, he began to put verses in my head. Um, and it's funny, we didn't end up doing any of these verses, but I think he was just teaching me something. And one of them was like, he was a lamb slain before the foundations of the world. I think it's in Revelation 13. And then Isaiah 53 popped into my head, and he was like, this story of the suffering servant, and it's exactly what Jesus was going to go through on the cross hundreds of years before Jesus ever walked onto the planet. And God just began to say, like, you don't have to just stay in the last 24 hours. Like, I've always been on the road to, to redemption. I've always been headed towards the cross. Before there was ever anything to redeem, I was already on the way to redeem them. I'd already made the decision. And then... Jesus started speaking to me and showing me, why, why don't you just go into the Gospels and find stories where I'm talking about the cross? That's what we've been doing the past few weeks. And last week, we actually did get into the last 24 hours of Jesus' life, which was cool. And we talked about something. And this morning, we're actually going to be in that same spot, but never like I could have imagined. I think what Jesus has been doing the past few weeks is not speaking about, I'm going to the cross, but this is how you get there. This is how you get to the cross. And this morning, we're going to talk about that same thing through um, Luke 23. And it's the story of Jesus and a, a man named Barabbas. This is actually so close to the cross that this is probably about 8 o'clock in the morning when Jesus was going to be crucified about 9 o'clock that same morning. So we're just an hour, maybe two out from the cross at this point in time. We've already had the Last Supper. Jesus has already finished that meal, and he's went to the garden, and he's prayed with the disciples for a few hours, and at midnight he was, um, he was taken by force from the garden. He was taken, and he was tried um, two or three times um, by the high priest, and then eventually he would go to, before the Sanhedrin, and um, his morning started early. He didn't get much sleep. Um, at 6 o'clock, we see he was brought before Pilate the first time. About 7, he was taken to Herod, and then back about 8 o'clock, which is where we are, he was before Pilate the second time, and this is that confrontation between the two. And it says in 13, Pilate called together the chief priests, the leaders, and the people. Here, Pilate, who's kind of the leader set up by the Romans of this area, Judea, and he called together the chief priests and the leaders and the people, the people who had brought Jesus before him in the first place to have a trial. It says in 14, and he said to them, you have brought me this man as one who subverts the people. Now, I didn't know what subverts means, so I looked it up. And there's, I think I have the definition back there for subverts. Uh, to subvert is to undermine the power and authority of an established system or institution, and it's got some synonyms. It's 
to destabilize, to unsettle, to overthrow, or to overturn. It's this idea that they've accused Jesus of trying to overthrow this Roman government. They brought him to Pilate and they've said, hey, he's trying to to, to start a rebellion and take over. He's trying to kick the Romans out, which, to be honest, is really funny because that's exactly what they were looking for in a Messiah. They were looking for somebody who was going to come in and they were going to kick out the Romans and they were going to set up this eternal and universal kingdom, this new kingdom of David that was going to be more prosperous and and, and everlasting than than the original kingdom of David. See, they had decided that Jesus was not this man. That Jesus had not come to actually kick out the Romans. If that's what Jesus was there for, they would have loved Jesus. That's who they had been looking for. Jesus had no interest in coming in and kicking out the Romans. He wasn't there to set up this earthly kingdom. He was there to do something else, and they couldn't grasp that, so they wanted to get rid of Jesus. So they took him to Pilate, and they accused him of the thing they were looking for in a Messiah. Please kill this man. He's trying to kick out the Romans. So Pilate says, you brought this man to me as one who subverts the people or one who's trying to stir a rebellion. And he says, but in fact, after examining him in your presence, after a public trial, after we've tried him over and over and over again and in in your presence, you've seen it, you've seen the questions. He says, I have found no grounds to charge this man with the things you accuse him of. He says, he's not guilty of this. I've not found any evidence, and you've not been able to produce any evidence that this man, Jesus, is actually interested in kicking out the Romans. There's nothing to show that. He's innocent of the crime that you accuse him of, is what he's saying. And then he says, just in case you don't believe me, neither has Herod. Now, Herod's been mentioned a couple of times up to this point in the Bible, so just kind of so you know, Luke 2, Herod the Great, he's dead. This is Herod Antipas, a different son of Herod, so there's no weirdness there. And he says, neither had Herod. Herod's this ruler of Galilee set up by the Romans. He says, because he sent him back to us. He sent him back here. He didn't think he should be killed either. And then he says, clearly... A little bit of snark there. Um, He has done nothing to deserve death. You know it. I know it. He's not done anything to deserve death. There's nothing this man has done that would cause me to kill him is what he's saying. He doesn't agree with the Sanhedrin's decision is what he's saying to have Jesus executed. Clearly, you guys are wrong. He says in 16... Just in case you, for some reason, think Pilate is a secret follower or that Pilate is a fan of Jesus, it says, therefore, because of this, even though I've not found him guilty of anything, I will have him whipped and then release him. You're like, what? You just said the guy was innocent, right? He's innocent, but you're going to beat him and then you're going to release him. This is Roman government at its finest. Not quite the fair trial, right? Can you imagine that going down in our court system today? Oh, yeah, they didn't do anything, but I'm just going to lock them up so you guys are happy. It's justice by popularity, right? The Jews don't like Jesus, and to keep the Jews happy, he's like, I mean, he didn't do anything, but I'll beat him. Pilate didn't care about Jesus. 
wasn't a secret fan or a follower. Jesus was a man, and Pilate had power, or he thought he did, over this man. So he, he thinks, man, this will be a good compromise. I, I don't want to kill him. He's not done anything worthy of death, so I don't really want to kill him. He's not hurting anything. So I'll, I'll just beat him a little bit. And, and that sounds good for you guys, right? Like, it'll teach him a lesson. He won't keep doing the things that he was doing. I'll just have him beaten. He'll know that wasn't a good thing. Uh, and then he'll quit. It's, it sounds like a compromise. That's what Pilate was trying to do. I won't kill him. I'll just beat him. He won't do it anymore. Now, you guys maybe don't know what this means, so let me just give you some imagery here. He's not talking about like a kind of whooping your parents would give you, right? Not just going to take him out back, pick a switch, and beat him for a little bit. He's going to use this thing called the cat of nine tails, which is like a braided leather uh, whip, and it's got nine strands, nine tails. And inside of these woven leather strips would be fragments of bone or fragments of metal that were designed, Romans were good at hurting people, that were designed to, as they would latch out and hit the body to sink into the body and then as you would pull away the whip you can just imagine what it would do to the whatever area it hit right to the skin to the muscle to whatever this was not going to be a pleasant experience for Jesus this would teach any normal person a lesson right like I will beat him and then release him now if I'm the Jews, right? Like that maybe would sound like a good compromise, but they weren't taking it. And since Pilate knew he was going to release somebody, for according to the festival, he had to release someone to them. Every year at this festival, this Passover time, the Roman government would release through tradition one prisoner. And he was like, well, Jesus hasn't done anything. He's the obvious candidate. I'll put him back out onto the street because he's not hurting anything, and I'll just beat him. It sounds like a good compromise. Everybody wins. Pilate wins. He doesn't have to release like an actual criminal. And the Jews win because he gets a beating and he'll probably stop what he's doing that's what's going on in Pilate's mind but there was hatred there for Jesus it wasn't just I don't want him to minister it's I hate this man it wasn't just I don't want him to keep doing miracles it was I hate this man the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes hated Jesus with such a passion that knowing he was innocent they took him to be crucified and they weren't leaving without that happening So it says they all cried out together, take this man away, kill him. Justice by popularity. We don't want him, so you kill him. Can you imagine that today? I just don't like you, so I'm going to take you over here and the government's going to kill you. Can you imagine that going down? And this is exactly what happens in this story. And it says, they all cried out together, take this man away, release Barabbas to us. Take Jesus away, give us Barabbas. We want Barabbas. I read this and I think this is really weird because like who in the world is Barabbas, right? Like he's not in this book anywhere other than right here in the story, in every gospel. We just see a little cliff note. There's a man named Barabbas. Jesus swapped with Barabbas. The end. And we never hear about him again. 
We, we don't know anything about Barabbas, and Luke knows that we won't know anything about Barabbas. He's not uh, historically important. He, he's not done really anything of note, but, but he gives us a little detail. Here's what he's in jail for, just in case you're wondering. For according to the festival, sorry, wrong one, uh, 19, he had been thrown into prison for a rebellion that he had taken place, that had taken place in the city and for murder. This is Barabbas. Barabbas is a man who led a rebellion against the Roman government and he murdered people. Isn't that crazy? The exact thing the Jews bring in Jesus for, the exact same crime, you just put murder on the end of it, which Jesus hadn't been accused of, is the crime that Barabbas was convicted of. Both men accused of starting a rebellion, only one man, Barabbas, actually has been convicted of it, and Jesus was declared innocent of it. Barabbas was a murderer and a rebel. He was exactly the kind of Messiah the Jews were looking for. Actually, if you look in the earliest manuscripts of Luke and some of the other Gospels, they referred to Barabbas as Jesus Barabbas. That was probably his whole name. There was a church leader that decided Jesus before Barabbas was disrespectful, and he had it removed from the manuscripts early on. But, but his, early, his actual name was more than likely Jesus Barabbas. Barabbas, Bar, son of Abba the Father. Jesus, son of the Father, a rebel who tried to kick out the Romans and murdered people doing it. What's happening here is the Jews have decided that Jesus isn't the Messiah that we want, Barabbas, that's probably the guy. Jesus, the Messiah, he's not working out. He's not the savior that we, we think we need or we think we want. He, he wants to come in and he wants to heal people and he wants to change people and he wants to do all these things. And, and really what we want, really what we want is somebody to make our lives better. We want to kick out the oppressor and we want to set up this kingdom and we want to be in charge of ourselves. We want to be prosperous and we, we want to restore the temple to its glory and the city to its glory and we want to expand our borders. We want to be the rulers, not the oppressed. And Barabbas, man, he has promise. He can improve our lives. He can improve our estate. He can give us more money in the bank account, and he can make us more comfortable. Barabbas, he's the kind of Messiah that we want. We're not interested in Jesus. We'd rather have Barabbas. Looking at that, if you're Pilate, that doesn't even make sense, does it? I just declared Jesus innocent of the crime that you brought him here for, which happens to be the same crime this man's convicted of that now you say you want. Isn't that crazy? And it says in 20, Pilate wanting to release Jesus. Well, why wouldn't you? Jesus hadn't done anything address them again and it says 
But they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Here's Pilate. No, let me release to you Jesus. He's your king, right? Like you want Jesus. You were just out in the streets a week ago waving palm branches and ushering him in. Why don't you want Jesus? I'd rather you have Jesus. He's probably a pretty nice guy. I don't want to give you Barabbas. But they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. This is in 22, a third time he said to them, why? What has this man done wrong? He hasn't done anything. I can't just kill somebody that hasn't done anything. I found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, he says again, I will have him whipped. I'll beat him and then I'll release him. That's what I want to do. That's my plan. That's what I would rather do. And it says in 23, but they kept up the pressure, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And it says, and their voices won out. In 24, it said, so Pilate decided to grant their demand. And he released the one they were asking for who, by the way, if you don't remember a few verses ago, had been thrown into prison for rebellion and murder. But he handed Jesus over to their will. I don't know if you caught this here, but what happened in in, in that moment, Jesus physically traded places with Barabbas. How do you think they got a cross ready so quickly? And how do you think it didn't fit his body size? It's probably a cross intended for Barabbas. Barabbas was probably an hour away from being convicted and killed on death row. Barabbas was a man who incited rebellion and and who murdered people. The Romans weren't going to let that go. Barabbas was probably in his final hours. He was sitting there waiting to go to his cross. And here Jesus comes in and he's accused of the same crime, yet he didn't commit it. His crime was laid on, Barabbas' crime was laid on Jesus. And Jesus physically took the penalty for Barabbas' crime. And here's the kicker. God didn't stop it. Like, who is Barabbas, right? He's a murderer. He's a rebel. He's not worthy. He's a thug. He's out there shaking people down in the streets, probably. He's not a nice guy, and he's posing, right, as as the Messiah. By all accounts, Barabbas, and just the little information we know about him, is not a nice guy. And he deserved death. He had killed people. And here, innocent Jesus is, and Jesus doesn't say a word. You see in there anywhere where Jesus is like, actually, I don't want to trade with him. I would prefer not to trade with Barabbas. Barabbas, is he's too bad. I don't want to let him back out on the streets because he may just jack it up again and he may start killing people. And I'm not just, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ready for that. What, what if he keeps up his old behavior? What if we trade places and he keeps up his old behavior? He didn't, he didn't say any of that stuff. I can't trade places with Barabbas. He didn't turn his life around when he was put in jail. He didn't, he didn't get better. He's still a murderer. He didn't say any of that stuff. See, Jesus just lets them trade places. He's like, 
okay. He doesn't say a word. And you look at that and you're like, man, in, in me, that doesn't make sense. But really, in reality, like that is what Jesus came for. And we're getting to see before he actually goes to the cross. And he has our sins and our labels placed on him spiritually. He's physically taking the label of Barabbas. Before Jesus goes to the cross and he, and, and he spiritually has our punishment laid on him, he's physically taking the punishment of Barabbas. That's what he came for. And here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing. Jesus wasn't concerned with who Barabbas was and what he'd done. I think that's amazing because here's what we try to do, right? Like we try to evaluate, like, is that person somebody who, who can come to the cross? Is that person somebody who, who Jesus would save or would redeem? Like we do that, don't we? We have people in our lives who are like, there's no way in the world they're ever going to come to God. There's no way in the world they're ever going to come to know Jesus. And some of us, we do that. We sit in church week after week after week, and we're like, I'm too bad. I don't understand why God would forgive me. I don't understand why God would save me. I don't understand. And we argue, and we know. Like, the Bible is clear about it. And we, we, we know that he does that, but we try to argue with him. It would be the equivalent of Barabbas being like, you know what? Nope. I'm good. I'm good. I deserve this. I deserve my cross. I'm, I'm going to go to that. I'm a bad man. He's a good man. I'm, I'm going to do that. Barabbas deserved the cross. Let's be clear. He was a sinner. He was a murderer. He was a bad guy. He was a rebel. And they should have took him out and strung him up. Maybe they did later on. He probably didn't turn his life around. There's no rec record Barabbas ever joined the church and become like this awesome church leader there, there's no there's no record of that but even though like jesus was still willing to trade places with him because that's what he came for right that's what he came to do he came to trade places with us he came to take our labels and he came to take our, our sins and he came to take all those things that people say about you and you say about you. He came to take all those things and to die for all those things. He came to take all the wrath that was due you to climb up on your cross, to die your death, to, to, to take your punishment. So you didn't have to. And here in this moment, we see it physically play out, and, and, and God doesn't stop it. He lets it happen because it was the plan of God. Can I just say today, like just for whoever's listening, I don't, I don't know, maybe even if it's just one of you, that's great. Thank you for being with me. That's what God does. That's what Jesus came for. And he's not asking you when, you when you come to give your life to him, he's not asking you for your sin resume. He's not saying, I don't know, can you just can you tell me a little bit about yourself first? Like, I just need to decide if I'm going to save you or not. Like, just how bad really are you? Have you done this thing? Have you done, oh, I just can't, I can't do that. If you've, ever, if you've ever been here, I can't do that. I can't forgive that. He's not asking you any of that stuff. Because that's what he came to do. And what's the proof of that? In this moment, God lets it happen. For 23 chapters now, they've been trying to kill Jesus. Right? Jesus was a baby in a cradle, and other Herod tried to have him killed. 
And every time God said, nope, 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 nope. There were probably a lot better ways to go out than I'm going to get on Barabbas' cross. But the way Jesus chose to go out was, I'm going to get on Barabbas' cross. And God lets it happen. I don't know what that's saying to all of us today, but what I, what I do know is there's somebody in this place that you just can't get past you to see the grace of God. And you think for some reason, like, I'm not worthy, or I'm not capable, or God won't save me. I've maybe faked it too long, right? Like, I've, I've played the church game, and I've, I've done the church thing, and God just, like, why would he save me now? Because that's what he came to do. Maybe for some of you, it's like, uh, man, my life has been just so bad. You won't believe the things that I've done. You won't believe what I would have said. You, you won't believe what I've even said to God or about God. Right? I've met people that have said, man, I've cursed God. You ever met anybody like that? Maybe you've done that. Or maybe you're one of those people that you've been like, man, I'm going to light up hell. And really what that is, is you just don't believe that God will save you. But can I just say, like, that's what he came for. And when Jesus died on the cross, like, he, we're not sending him back. When Jesus died on the cross, he already took all that stuff. Right, like, 2,000 years before I ever showed up, Jesus died for my sins. And I just want to say, he, he did it for yours, too. And you can argue all day long, now I just I can't I just can't accept that. Well he's already done it. I'm not worthy of that. Well he actually already said you were like two thousand years ago on the cross. When he died, he died once for all. That's in the Bible. I died one time for everyone. I don't have to go back, I don't have to redecide, I don't have to make up my mind, and you don't have to beg because I've already said it is finished and it is done and your sins are your sins are destroyed and your guilt is destroyed i took your label and i took your punishment on the cross one time i didn't only trade places with barabbas i traded places with you and today i don't know what your argument is but i know what his is and it sounds like this no it is finished but, blah, 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 no, it is finished, but you don't, A, yes, I did, and B, it is finished, and today, the cross is open, and it's available through what Jesus is and what he's done. But can I just say, there's another group of people this is speaking to today, and it's that group of people that We've created our own Messiah. Right? Like, isn't that what happened in, in, in this chapter? There were these people, the Jews, who didn't want the Messiah God chose. They wanted to choose their own. It just so happened their names were similar. Can I just say, I believe this is an epidemic in, in the church. I believe there are a lot of us who have given our lives to a Jesus something, but I don't know if it was Jesus the Messiah. 
Because I'll be honest, Jesus didn't come to make us comfortable and to improve our estate. Jesus come to say, take up your cross and follow me. I'm going to die so that you can die to you. And I'm going to be raised so you can be raised in me. And uh, they wanted a Jesus Barabbas, a Jesus who's going to conquer, a Jesus who's going to kick out the Romans. It didn't work out well. It never works out well. Our own messiahs never have the power to save us. But I just wonder maybe today what messiah we're living under. Are we under Jesus' messiah or are we under Jesus' self? I'm my God. I'll do it my way. I'll do my thing. Are we under Jesus? I'll do it my own way. Are we under Jesus? Enlarge my bank account. Are we under Jesus? I'm going to live it up because we're all sinners. Are we under Jesus? Fill in the blank. Jesus' mom and dad said I was saved, right? Jesus' religion. Jesus, I go to church. Are we under Jesus? I'm trying to be a good person. Jesus, God doesn't send good people to hell, or God wouldn't, a loving God wouldn't send people to hell. And I'll be honest, there's only one Jesus, Messiah. And none of them things are it. So today, I, I don't really know, right, where you are. I can only know where I am. But what I do know is that we serve a God who loved us enough to step down out of heaven, right? A God who had all the worship he could ever want. Some of us think Jesus come to die so we could lift our hands at the bridge. False. He doesn't need it. He doesn't have to have it. I'm not even sure that he wants it, but he deserves it. Jesus didn't come to die so we could come and fill up some pews or some chairs at a church. Jesus didn't come to die so we could wear our Christian t-shirts or so we could serve, so we could feel good about ourselves. He didn't do any of that. He didn't come to die so we could put a little bit of money in a plate when it come around. He didn't do any of that. He come to die so that we could live. Right? I think a lot of times we think Jesus come to die to subject us to something. And really what Jesus did is he come to die to set us free into something. See, religion is a thing that says if you do this, God will love you more. And I just want to tell you the truth of the Bible is God loved you at his best when you weren't even capable of doing anything. Who is Barabbas? I got a better question this morning. Who are you? We get offended. Oh, who's Barabbas? He's not worth anything. He didn't do anything. He didn't deserve to trade places with Jesus. Neither did you. And neither did I. Barabbas, he, he was a sinner. He was the worst kind of sinner. And I can relate to that because I am the worst kind of sinner. God created me. He made me. He spoke me into existence. And I stepped up one day and I looked him in the eye and I said, I'll be my God. I'll take it from here. Oh, I know what you say. You can debate that right, all day. I don't know the Bible. Well, that's great. God wrote the law on your heart. 
And for some reason, all of us have decided, the Bible says it, right? All of us like sheep have gone astray, turned to our own way. We decided when we looked at the creator of the universe, we knew more about what we needed than he did. We were the worst kind of sinner. Well, I'm not a murderer, no, but have you ever been angry? Jesus says you've committed murder in your heart. We are the worst kind of sinners. And we look at that transition and we say, man, Barabbas didn't deserve that. No, I didn't deserve that. You can see what Jesus did in that moment physically. He was going to do in just an hour spiritually. He, in this story, took Barabbas' titles, right? Barabbas, murderer, became Jesus, murderer. Barabbas, the rebel, became Jesus, the rebel. Barabbas, the man who was filled with lust, became Jesus. A man who had never lusted, that had been filled with lust. Barabbas, the liar, became Jesus. A man who had never lied. The truth in body, the liar. Barabbas, the unloved and the unwanted, became Jesus, the unloved and the unwanted. Because Jesus traded places with us. And he took our titles, and he took our sin, and then he physically took Barabbas' cross because he was spiritually about to take our cross. We deserve the wrath of God and Jesus decided you won't have it. If I have anything to say about it, you'll never experience the wrath of God because I love you enough that I'll take the wrath of God so you never have to. And I don't know about you today, but I don't know another Messiah that I've ever put in place that could do a thing like that for me. I've tried, I've, I've tried Jesus' self, Jesus my own way. I've done it. And at the end, it's empty and broken. I've tried Jesus' pleasure, haven't you? And I just want to say at the end of the day, it's Jesus' empty. When you take that and roll that title back, pleasure maybe is what I'm putting on it, but what I know is it's It's empty. Man, there is a, another Jesus today. The, the Messiah that God knew we needed, not the Messiah that we thought we wanted. The, the Jesus, the Messiah who left heaven, who left light, who left glory, and he stepped down into a manger wrapped in dirt and flesh, who lived a perfect life full of no titles, so that when we exchanged, he would take our names and give us his. So today I can be Brad free. I can be Brad loved by the Father. I can be Brad worth something. I can be Brad 
righteous in the name of Jesus. I can be Brad good and Brad holy. Thank God he knew what kind of Messiah I needed because I did not. And this morning, I just want to say to you, I don't know where you are and I don't know where you've been, but I know where Jesus will meet you today. Jesus already said it is finished and today he meant it with every ounce of his being. Jesus didn't half-heartedly die on the cross, but before the joy set before him, it says in Isaiah 53, took our stripes so that by his stripes we could be healed. Let's pray.